Welcome to In-House, the podcast about creativity and confinement. My name's Will Hood, and this week we have something a little bit different for you. So far, the podcast has consisted of interviews with artists that have experienced what the label has to offer as we run workshops and develop talent across prisons in the southeast of England. If you've been listening for a while, then you'll probably know that every two weeks I've been talking with different men some of whom have left prison quite recently, about their experiences, their thoughts and reflections on what prison is and what it isn't, and what their hopes are for the future, as well as the role that making music and being creative has played in helping them stay sane and continue to grow during difficult and stressful circumstances. But this week I thought we'd take a little mid-season breather to share with you a mini-documentary about the in-house label, its core values and a little bit of what goes on behind the scenes. We're going to start by hearing from the label founder, Judah Armani, about why in-house exists and a little bit about its underlying structure as a social design tool. We're then going to meet up with Dave Rapley for a coffee, who at the time of recording this had just finished a nine-month sentence at HMP Lewis. Dave and I had made a relationship during his time working with in-house whilst he was on remand, um, and a few days later after his release, I joined up with him as he met with the in-house label for the first time on the outside. We start off by meeting up in a coffee shop and then go on to um, meet everybody at the Royal College of Arts. If you like Dave, and it's difficult not to like Dave, then you can hear his full podcast episode in the archives. I believe it's episode six. So anyway, the reason why I wanted you to hear this documentary piece is because for anybody interested in these subjects, and there's a growing audience of you out there for the podcast, in-house is attempting to understand the problem of crime and reoffending by changing the way we look at it, changing the conversation to something more inclusive of the men that are often being talked about and looking for creative approaches to the problems that they're going through. For my own part, I've found myself perhaps getting unfairly frustrated with members of the public who, whilst taking an interest in what we're up to, insist on referring to the in-house label as a charity. A charity is not what this is. We're a record label for change. And the artists on our rosters are not victims in need of a handout. They are, by and large, young men with a deep emotional understanding of their situation and what's going on. They also, as I hope you would have realised by now, listening to these episodes have varied skills and talents to offer the world so anyway i hope you enjoy this deviation from the regular format we'll be back in two weeks with more interviews until then please subscribe share with anyone you think might enjoy us or even leave us a review on itunes if you can spare five minutes to do so it's worth noting that all of these interviews that you're about to hear were recorded in early 2019, um, all pre-COVID pandemic. The In-House podcast is funded in part by the UK Arts Council, and this episode is sponsored by Pirate Studios. My name is Jude Almani. I'm a social designer, and I'm the founder of In-House Records. We have huge violence in our prisons. We have high unemployment in our prisons. 
On the outside, we have an exponential growth in knife crime. Right? These are complex problems. And sometimes a complex problem can be solved with a very simple solution, like a record label. It's important to, to understand a simple solution before understanding the, the complexities around that solution and why, why it's important is because when we're creating social change, we only have like 10 seconds to get people's imagination or interest. And if we talk about a, a non-linear interactive restorative storytelling profile platform that uh, is built on the architecture of choice, people like that, yeah, I don't really understand what that is about. And why that's important is because for in-house to work, it, it needs a community of people who understand it and get behind it on the outside. It needs you know, support because ultimately it's saying we're going to create things of value. It's going to create less victims of crime and safer communities, right? That's ultimately what, what we're trying to do. Digging down deeper, every single aspect of what a record label is gets apportioned to prisoners to do. And it's really important that, number one, this is hard work. If, if anyone's ever set up a business on their own, they know it's not easy. To set up a record label is a tough thing to do. And in effect, that's what these prisoners are doing every day. So it's hard work. Secondly, they give up privileges in order to do this. Um, this isn't a party for them. Uh, a lot of the guys that get involved are the alphas, and that means they have a reputation on the wing. That means that they're looked up to, and going to work doesn't fit their cred. But they will happily give up that reputation in order to do this. And so there are, there are many privileges that the guys give up in order to do this hard work. Um, so they're not having a party and they're not having a, a relaxing time. The design element of what this is, is I've designed a learning profile, which is the opposite of a school curriculum, if you like. So a school curriculum will say, this is the subjects that you've got to learn, this is the order you've got to learn them in. Two and a bit years of research in prisons made me realise that actually that's not the right way for us to be able to present learning and development with these guys. So we've done it completely the other way. We don't write the curriculum, they do, through their choices. We support them in building their strengths. So it's uh, a complete opposite. And this process means that they're able to learn, develop, focus on strengths, and create better opportunities for themselves outside of prison. I was in jail accused of something that I didn't actually do. I'm not the whitest sheet in, in the uh, Ottoman box, as I like to call it, but at the same token, I'm not a, I'm not a lifetime criminal. I was um, dragged into a situation that, that got me in trouble with the police for the first time in my life, um, and um, I ended up on remand 
uh, in Lewis Prison in Sussex uh, and getting involved in the in-house records programme in there. Um, and that's where I met yourself and yeah, things progressed from there, really. In-house records is a prison-based record label, I think operating in around six or seven prisons at the moment, that gives um, inmates with uh, a musical background or not um, the, a place to go to um, as part of the education within the prisons to work on uh, playing guitar, instruments, um, writing, and just collaborating with like-minded people to make music in a creative space. I'm lucky, I think, that I did music and that you guys offer this in the jail I was in. There was people that came in with no background in music. I think, if you remember that guy, James, who came in. Um, he'd never written. I sat with him. We ended up writing. And he ended up writing a, a full song that was actually pretty good. And he had a really good hook. And everyone sort of started going mad and banging the chairs when he was doing it. It was, it was great. So you're talking there about prison and you're describing it in an incredibly positive way. Uh, and now you just pull in a face of me because it's more complicated now, right? So, so I want to just ask you about that. For some people listening to this, there's bound to be the opinion that people in prison shouldn't be having a, a lovely time. They shouldn't be, you know, involved in creative fun or however you want to describe it. And I think that this is really important that we split that open of what that is. Good people do bad things sometimes for the right reasons. And I think that is a, a massively good statement for you to understand prison. There are people that have had not a great start in life. There are people that have had a fantastic start in life. There are people that run into problems at any point within their journey on their life for various reasons. And it is a way too broad a subject to, I think, explain in a very, you know, well, a, a relatively short interview or answer now. But if you want something to be a rehabilitative process, I don't see the jail system as it is, as a rehabilitative sort of institution, because I've seen people that have been institutionalised by it um, and come out worse than they ever were. Um, but for, for you to say that these people should just be chucked in a dark hole and forgotten about, which if you'd asked me this question when I was 12 years old and growing up and a good little boy and never done anything wrong in my life and always did great at school and did my homework, you know what I mean? I was one of those good kids that just did well. I would have had a different opinion. But now I'm 36 years old with kids of my own and I understand that Nothing is ever black and white in this crazy sort of world we live in. Um, people do the wrong things for the right reasons sometimes. So we're going up to in-house in records, um, London-based offices, I believe, um, in Battersea. Um, it's where every Tuesday, I believe, the guys that are sort of more involved working with the label, looking to get involved with the label in a, in a real way and work with them, not just making music, but actually get involved in uh, the vision and, and, and actually progressing forward with things, is where they meet from about 11 o'clock on a Tuesday. And this is going to be my first experience. And 
I've been looking forward to it for the last week and a half. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's I've had nothing but a positive, positive experience with in-house records. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it and just seeing you know where the conversation goes and and what sort of ideas get flung around. I think it's a bit of a brainstorming thing, but you get to also have a, a conversation face to face with the owner of the label and, and see where you can fit in. So we make a minimal commitment of 12 months. If you've managed to stay free of crime for 12 months, then you're, you're on the way to like having a, a crime-free life. Uh, in-house records, Innovation RCA, Royal College of Art. Ah, oh, RCA, look. That's, it must be it here. Hey Jude, how you doing? So the risk of you reoffending reduces massively after four months. It, it reduces quite a bit after half a year. And then the chance of reoffending after a year is like down to single digits, I think. I think that what we are creating, we're creating a living organism. It is part of opening up a wider community, a community of our graduates. And I think they already, you know, we have a couple of guys, graduates, who are meters and greeters, who as soon as someone gets released, they're the point of contact. They're the person that's saying, hey, great, this is, welcome to in-house. Um, what prison were you released from? Innovation RCA, in-house records. In so you guys have... Um, In-house records, Innovation oh, yeah, RCA. Yeah, yeah. Lovely, thank you. Graduates thank you isn't necessarily much. the great word, but I'm trying to find a different word than ex-offenders because it, it, it brings the conversation back to the offence, <laughs> which is in the past. Um, and it's like, I think we just need a new language. Like, it is ambitious, but I think that it's going to be perpetuated by the fact that we're going to have a growing community of guys. Good morning. How you doing? How you doing? You alright? Nice to meet you, I'm Dave. Nice to meet you, Oh, it's alright. My hands are freezing, so warm hands, I welcome them. One of the things that happened when I was here, so I had my son, 14 years old, come in to see me. My mum went to him, go on, tell your dad. And I was like, go on, mate, what's up? And he was like, I was like, what's up, what's wrong? You, you, like, he's a good kid, do you know what I mean? I was, I was thinking, oh shit, I've gone inside, it's affected him badly. No. He was like, oh, I got detention the other day. And I thought, oh, here we go. But no, it turns out they changed a new rule in the school whereby from the first bell until the end of the last bell and the end of the day, in between classes and, and wherever they're walking through corridors must be single file and they are not allowed to speak or laugh because it's disruptive behaviour to, to what's going on around them. But nowadays we're breeding kids that they don't want to remember the bloody journey. <laughs> they don't want to remember how they got there. They just want to get there. To, oh, let me get to the end of this because this is absolute hell. I can't suffer this. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that sort of Instagram, Facebook, n new in the next, flicking through things, they're even being sort of bred to be like that in school now. Just get me from that class to that class to that class to that class. I'm not going to take in much of what's being said because I need to get this day out of the way and go home so I'm going to play on my computer. But we are actually breeding robots now. We're not breeding people that are curious. Right. So I believe if they go, like you said about grassroots, we need to go back to the grassroots. Yeah. That's the community. Yeah. 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 So where the youth club was was the community. Communities need to start coming back together again and saying, all right, look, we need spaces for our youth, so we need spaces. Yeah. You know, social clubs and, and, mm. and, and the working men's clubs, they're getting closed down and things like that now. So 
our communities that we had and that we built are being destroyed underneath us. And because of that, we don't have that community. Yes, so there's, there's one thing in terms of like, you know, communities become sort of fractured because how do we engage with our free time? And like, you know, 2002, 2003, we didn't have an iPhone then. We didn't have a smartphone. So actually, we look from 03 to now, this is like the, the, the period of time where like smartphones have like completely taken off. If, if you want to go back, if you want to go back to like the 90s, and, then, and now we're really talking a sort of like innovation and scale. Right. For me, as a designer, my understanding of design is it's a conversation that takes place over time and cultures. And that conversation is, is actually uh, continually um, refining and creating and uh, providing better solutions for life. Can we get to what we can certainly discuss, like how communities have become broken. But going back to something like the Nokia, Blackberry, Apple analogy, right? The positives we can take from that is each time someone had a vision and someone else came and had a bigger vision. Yeah. Each time someone saw exactly the same product and imagined it in a different way. Yeah. What are the, the, the tools of the products that we use? You know, music, um, performances, each time there's an opportunity for us to say, well, look, what would real innovation look like? What if we were Apple? What if Apple did a showcase or a concert? Would it look any different to how they are now? Can we see something that someone has completely missed? Can we see things here that there are opportunities? If I say I'm a designer, so I'm someone that's going to be looking to carry on that conversation that takes place over time and culture for issues around homelessness and prison reform. What I'm actually doing is I'm, an, I'm jumping in a stream, I'm jumping in a river that has been flowing for many, many, many hundreds of years before me uh, and will continue to flow. The, the point of saying design is a conversation is that what, what I'm creating is not a new iteration necessarily, but it's looking back at social reformers. The social design is around understanding the culture and history of what's gone on before this conversation but it's looking at using creativity planning and strategy to changing the scenario for people coming from challenging circumstances so this should be a sense of like encouragement to say that something as recent as an iphone that was only 07 people have come in and still were able to say i can see that as something completely different you, you see it as this thing, I can see it as this thing. Mm. And, you know, for us, the challenge is consistently, let's look, let's observe, let's see what other people are doing. And how can we take that and how can we use that for ourselves? How can we become innovators in a way that Apple were for taking a record label in a way that we want to innovate? Mm -hmm. Can we see something different in our record label that no other record label has done? Can we see something that offers genuine hope or, or opportunity for change and then that's the message that we consistently kind of push and then we start looking more and more different to every other record label so we launched september 2017 in one prison hmp Elmley, which is a cat bc prison uh we're now within hmp Elmley, hmp rochester 
HMP Lewis, HMP Isis, and HMP Stanford Hill, which is our first open prison, um, which is exciting. My heart is gonna break, I swear. This has always been about reducing reoffending, um, and in-house is partly a solution because uh, we want to work with guys whilst they're in prison. Because I think that's where we create the sustainable relationships to continue after prison. So if you like, all we're doing in prison is all prep for the thing that I really wanted to do, which is reduce reoffending, and that's where our commitment. Begins, if you like, in earnest, is the moment they're released. How do I get myself out of this? Out of this? Should I cry or should I get a grip? My mind knows right from wrong. You know, if someone's in prison for four or five years, or even two years. One year, they're at risk of losing the home where they live. Relational breakdown, family breakdown. They're not earning income, and unless they've got a supported structure or community of people that they belong to, you know, they can get released and actually be completely disenfranchised from the world. On top of which, they now have stigma around them. On top of which. It's very difficult for them to be able to secure a job because the moment they say they've got uh, a criminal record, that might preclude them from some employers. Not all, of course, because we've got some some employers that are happy to to employ. But so there's a really easy way that you could find yourself uh, homeless within days or weeks of becoming released from prison. This is something that's making an exponential difference, a positive difference. If you want to see safer communities, if you want to see less victims of crime, we all have to agree that something needs to be done because our reoffending rate is getting worse, because knife crime is getting worse, because violence in prison is getting worse. So, less victims of crime, safer communities. Lower violence in prison, more people working in prison. All of that related to what in-house is doing. So, to, to all of those that would have a, a pushback or not, this is this is the the, the one sort of story. Um, it's the it's the only story. I'll be. 